everyone to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a member of the 1012 Podcast Network. You can find more great Big 12 content over at 1012network.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at LonghornPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. I'd also like to remind you, this podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle is a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. They want you to be the best-dressed fan this season, so be sure to check out all of their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today and show off your school spirit all season long. With more than 30 schools to choose from, they've got you covered with all of your collegiate and apparel needs you can get 15 percent off any non-sale item that's right any non-sale item not your first purchase by using the code 10 12 15 at checkout that's ten one two one five at checkout over at charliehustle.com charlie hustle vintage made fresh my name is gerald good to enjoy my host this week like i am every week and i'm joined by a man who has the same byu ptsd that i do kyle carpenter kyle how are you just Taysom hill having a younger brother so that's all i i've been checking the roster looking for anyone with that wretched last name no um there's not even somebody named tay some or hill on that raw like i could get all three of there, there's nothing even close which is great because i couldn't handle it i'll take that i'll take that no it's uh look this is this is sark week right um not shark week but sark week uh <laughs> steve sarkeesian's current uh you know life with his meets his his former life and i don't know if people i don't know if people fully appreciate how good sark was like people know he played quarterback at byu but i don't know if the the listeners of this podcast who aren't uh, of a certain age understand just how good sark was like have you have you looked at the stats for for sark's time at byu dude was a killer you know he killed one specific team that I really appreciate. The uh, Texas A&M Aggies threw for uh, 6,433 yards against them. Feels like, but uh, I mean, who doesn't appreciate him beating both A&M and Kansas State? I'm pretty sure he's beat both of them uh, in a bowl game, which is fun to say because I don't like either of those teams. But no, so Texas is taking on his alma mater, the BYU Cougars at home. If Texas had to go to Provo, I'd feel really terrible about this. And if they played at night, I'd feel even worse. But at home in the daytime, so I'm feeling okay about it. We'll talk about that matchup. We'll dive in on the BOL, obviously, all of the other fun stuff going around campus, and we'll close the show out with some Godzilla Tron. So BYU is a bad football team, but they are they're five and two this year, picked up a win over a legacy Big 12 team as of late. Five and two on the year. Lost to those Kansas Jayhawks, though, uh, this last week. They've got the Murderers Row coming up, though. They've got uh, Texas, West Virginia, OU, and Oklahoma State, plus Iowa State's in there as well, which is fine. But they're, I, I, uh, Kyle, I don't know how else to say this. I don't know how they've won five football games other than one of them was against Sam Houston State. They are, uh, according to... The other one was Southern Utah, by the way. Southern Utah. They are, according to TeamRankings.com, the seventh luckiest team in the country and number one in the Big 12. Um, They have, I think it's like the number 23 strength of schedule remaining for the rest of the season. I've seen a couple different prediction sites who have them somewhere around six, like, and a half wins on the year. 
Um, so that's that's one and a half remaining uh, expected wins out of their next five or six. So um, five, I think. Uh, yeah, it's look, it, they're not a bad team. I don't think they're a good team, but they're not a bad team. And they do things that make beating them difficult, right? They can squat on a game. Uh, they play aggressive defense. Not necessarily good defense, but aggressive defense, which, you know, can cause, let's say, for instance, you have a quarterback making his first career start. Um, something like that. It can, yeah, sorry. Uh, it can cause a little bit of havoc, right? So um, there are things about this team that are dangerous, but I agree. Uh, this year, this iteration at home, I like a lot better. I like Texas's chances. This is the spooktacular every year. The Halloween game used to feel like it was always Oklahoma State at night in Stillwater somehow every year, and it was weird and terrible. Either them or Tech. Either them or Tech. Right. All the time. Just spooky season. And this one feels, maybe because they don't believe in ghosts or whatever, but feels far less spooky um, than, than years past. So we'll, we'll break it down, but... Uh, yeah, I, I feel a little bit better about this one heading in. Yeah, I do as well. I mean, I still, again, um, have scars from the last time BYU played Tech, the last two times. Uh, although one of those, Manny Diaz got fired, which was nice. Uh, but they are 124th in the country in total offense. They've got a 41% success rate on standard downs and a negative predicted points added when they run the football. LJ Martin, their leading rusher, 13.7 attempts per game for 63 yards and four touchdowns on the year. Keaton Slovis is not a runner, so hopefully that helps Texas, but he's got a three to one touchdown interception ratio completing 56 almost 57 percent of his passes for 217 per game like i just they don't have a receiver that's averaging over 100 yards a game their leading rusher is averaging 63 yards a game i just don't know like i don't know how they're doing it but it's happening they're winning they've won five games granted you know 40 percent of those games were against sam houston state and southern utah oh and one was arkansas as well we turns out arkansas is a bad football team um but like they lost to kansas they lost they lost to tcu uh and then they they beat texas tech who's on their seventh quarterback i think they pulled the guy uh, out of the intramural championship game to play quarterback for them this weekend so like i just i don't know if they've played that tough of a schedule. We said that a couple of weeks ago against OU. We see how that turned out, but I don't think BYU is as talented as the Sooners. Yeah. After that Arkansas game, I, I was really interested and intrigued. And I think I even said on this podcast, who's the third best team in the big 12 after Texas OU. And I posited BYU might be it uh, just because they had the best win. It looked like that, that Arkansas uh, win has aged like some, uh, you know, like some, some fine, uh, cheddar left out, outside for six weeks or whatever, right? It's it's um, some people think it's cultured the mold that's grown upon it, but um, yeah, it's it's pretty much just bad. You should throw it away. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it, look, it's it's still BYU. They still have this weird fascination with playing UT. They seem to try to kill us every time they play us. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it's about, but I hope maybe they'll go easy because their head coach and Sark were te- or both played under Lavelle Edwards. Um, have they're good friends, you know. I I think there will be a, a gentlemanly rivalry in this one. I don't think Sark's going to try to win by 50, even if they could. I don't think BYU, you know, there shouldn't be full of hatred considering the coaches are are chummy. But um, but yeah, I mean, if you just look at it on paper, this is not a great team. Um, you could start with the offense, right? 
if you look at total offense, you know, 124th is, is obviously not good. Um, Gerald, you, you brushed over a little bit there. They're, they're, Rush PPA is is negative. Um, can can you explain to the people what what that means? That means if they line up to run the ball, what do the advanced stats say? Um, the, the 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 vibes are. Uh, uh, they lose a tenth of a point every time <laughs> they line up to run the ball. That I mean that's wild, right? And look, we we saw it last week with Texas just absolutely shutting down the run game uh, against U of H, and so I have a feeling that that trend will continue, or Texas will shut down the traditional run game. Keaton Slovis is, you know, the least mobile quarterback in the big 12. Um, yet Texas is second former USC, you know, quarterback they've played on the roster. I think it will be a similar uh, situation to, to what they did in week one against the other one. Um, it felt like last week, even though they didn't need to, you talked about tech, they could have used a Donovan Smith, but they didn't need to necessarily treat Donovan Smith. Like they should have treated Dylan Gabriel, but they did a bit. Um, they're not going to have to worry about, you know, pass, you know, pass uh, rush integrity, keeping those lanes for him scrambling out. They're not going to have to worry about a spy. Um, so either they drop more guys in coverage and take away the pass passing lanes or they, they, you know, pin their ears back. This BYU line is good. Like they may be the strength of the offense. They have uh they're only 31st in sack rate allowed, but again, they also, you know, don't complete a ton of passes. Uh, so it's not as though, even though he's getting the ball out of his hands that they're good. Uh, getting out. Uh, so we'll see if Texas can get back there and wreak some havoc, or again, if they choose to sit back and just knock passes down um, or let them throw them and complete. But I, I, I have a good feeling, talent on talent, Texas defense should be able to go out and just absolutely out talent. Even even the guys, like um, we talked about it a little bit in last week, but the, the stats, you know, are, are damning for the Texas safeties, right? Um, Thompson, six targets, six catches, including one touchdown, 68 yards. Tav, Four targets, three catches, 58 yards, a touchdown. Did have that interception. Keaton Crawford, four targets, three catches, 49 yards. Derek Williams was good, four, four targets, only two catches. And I believe Jody Barron was targeted uh, four times for three yards. So um, there's a difference in those last two guys I mentioned. But for the other three, they might have something to prove. And this might be a good quarterback to prove something, right? For, for the safeties, for the corners, you know, I think we've understood just how much we've missed Watts. This should be a good get-right game uh, for the other cornerbacks, right? For for you know Brooks, who had a tough one last week. Um, for Gavin Holmes, this would be a great Gavin Holmes game to announce why he was such a, a, a commodity for teams that, that you know everyone in the country wanted him to come. This would be the the type of receivers that I'd like to see him you know just just blanket right ha- have a game. Manny Muhammad. This is your, your day to have a coming out party, right? I feel like there's someone on this defense that's ready to launch off, and this is the type of game that you need, right? Even U of H, with whatever struggles they had, you know Dana's calling it. You know Donovan Smith loves to play Texas. There's a little bit of danger there. Um, I don't necessarily feel it with this BYU offense, other than the fact BYU offenses did it to us 10 years ago. If you took that out, there's no fear in this game. Um, and I mean, I don't mean to speak too like positively, because that's how you get cold takes exposed, but just looking purely at the, the raw data it's it's it isn't there for me simply the ptsd of it all is really what where the concern comes from the defense uh is 
better-ish. I mean, they take the ball away. They have uh, their fifth in the nation. I think they're plus nine on the turnover margin. That is floated by turning Texas Tech's seventh-string quarterback over five times. They had three against the Houston State, but still plus nine on the turnover margin. They do not give the ball up at all, uh, but they did give up 242 rushing yards to uh, bottom-feeding Cincinnati. They're giving up 3.2 line yards per rush. They've got a 15% stuff rate, which is not good. Um, you know, it's they give away a lot of uh, explosive passes as well. One and a half predicted points added per successful pass, which is a big, big number. So, like, this is not going to be a passing heavy attack from Texas, I don't think. I think this is going to be uh, go out and let Jonathan Brooks win the Doak Walker Award kind of for the next couple of weeks because – Let's be honest, BYU is not great. We still don't know. Uh, you know, Quinn Ewers, we're just going to say it, probably not going to play this week. They call him day-to-day, but that AC joint's looking like a month probably is what uh, optimistic estimates are. I think a year ago when Jalen Daniels suffered the same injury, it cost him six weeks. So, like, that's something to gauge it. It's, you know, the throwing shoulder. So, um, But if Texas doesn't have to rush him back, let him heal up, uh, and hopefully, you know, the, the other – players can can carry it i think we're going to see uh you know sark hasn't named a starter yet they said uh on monday that they were going to be uh playing back and forth the week between arch and malik murphy to see who would get the start so malik murphy's already been playing hurt but he also came in in relief arch manning got snaps with the twos leading up to the houston game so um we will get a preview of probably what this offseason's quarterback battle is going to look like uh but either way i think the quarterback has the tools i think uh, i'm excited to see if it's malik murphy because uh, that guy just got the absolute cannon he's got like he is the like and i mean this as a as a compliment he's like the byron leftwich starter kit i think it's the bet like byron leftwich or like a dante culpepper kind of guy where um just a big massive human being with a rocket arm like it's just absolutely incredible gerald I, I, I i'm a little bit perplexed i i thought they would come in and run the zone and read brando told me that he's an absolute athlete and he's going to run the, the football all the time right is that what we should expect from malik i mean tim tim brando definitely <laughs> did a racism and that's okay um it's not okay don't do that don't stereotype your quarterbacks honestly of the two quarterbacks that are going to be competing the uh the less melanated one is actually more fleet of it's wild that the man the manning is the bigger is the bigger threat to 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 take off and run that's that's wild um but it is absolutely true um no gerald i think you're (laughs) sorry i teach you up on that one that's i think you're you're right though um actually byu's defense is a little bit worse against the run so that's how you'd want to attack them anyways they're 81st in in yards per game against the pass 89th uh, in rush yards per game, but you know, if if they, I do feel good if they do drop back some, right? Because they're not going to be completely one-dimensional, and you do want to see what you have with the quarterback. Um, they want to get interceptions, right? They want to jump those routes, so they're not bringing a ton of pressure. They're 128th in sack percentage, um, but 10th in opponent interceptions thrown, right? So it is a little bit challenging when you do want to pass for whichever quarterback is in there. Uh, we're assuming Malik, of course, to start the game off. Um, that it's imperative that you create a game plan and some routes where it's easy passes. You let him, you know, get one-on-ones or scheme up just open routes, let him complete, get in rhythm. Like, sure, take the shot, right? Um, he has the the arm to give Worthy something to go run under 50 yards down the field to give A.D. Mitchell a chance to beat his, his guy one-on-one. And again, we think Texas has the talent to, to do that. So that is in the, in the 
in the game and in the playbook. I just don't know that they have to do it, right? I'm kind of secretly hoping that in this one, Jonte Cook uh, gets some run just because that's kind of been his preferred target on the working with the twos. Um, and I just would love to see Jonte Cook get, you know, get involved a bit. But again, I don't think this is going to be past the ball 20 times, 25 times in this game. If that's the case, there's a couple things that have gone wrong, right? They, this should be, you know, run the ball. Let, let's get 40 touches between our two running backs, between uh, Brooks and Baxter. Let them, you know, eat uh, for 250 plus and then throw the ball, you know, 12, 15 times. Like, you know, go old school with it. Just throw on really high percentage play action, you know, when you throw it, make it hurt. I'm not saying it has to be Air Force where you, you know, you throw six times for 190 yards or whatever, but, um, you know, run the ball, block well enough so that your run is just an efficient five uh, yards a pop. And then when you want to keep them honest, you know, throw the ball, but but use the run, obviously, to set up um, the pass. Uh, like I said, 89th in, in, you know, rush yards per game. Um this this should be a, a defense there for the taking. I have to think our running game um, is at least as good as Cincinnati, which is not a good team. Yeah, Cincinnati's not a good football team, and that feels like a good segue to go to our Podstradamus, brought to you by Prize Pick. Remember, Prize Picks is the best legal way to play player props in states like California, Florida, and Texas is an easy way to play daily fantasy as well. Just pick two to five players and an over and under on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on an entry. It's just you versus the projections. They've got a ton of stats to choose from. You can go multi-sport, mixed sport entries. NBA is back. College basketball is around the corner. You've got NFL. You've got NCAA football. You've got all of the best stuff, MMA. MLB season's over, but that's okay. We'll uh, keep it moving, but... All of the users that use our code Longhorn12 will get in get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100, so they can have a little bit extra fun on Saturdays and beyond. But again, use the code Longhorn12. Go over to the App Store or whatever phone you have and download that high-rated 4.8 star app. You can participate again, get a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks using the code Longhorn12 over at Prize. Pick. So Kyle leads our Podstradamus six to four and a half. So Kyle, what is your first Podstradamus pick? This pick is the prize of the litter right here. Uh, Gerald, I'm going to give it to you straight up. Uh, they're going to pound the rock. They're going to feed the beasts. It's going to be R-T-D-B. That's, that's absolutely right. They are uh, the, the, the triple B's um, and um, the B.A. Savion Red, uh, the four B's, uh, that's, of course, Brooks, Baxter, Blue, and that bad, bad man, uh, Savion Red. Um, between those four, there's going to be greater than 42 touches for the Texas running backs. Okay, I like it. 42 touches. I am going to go back to the Podstradamus that I thought I hit on this last week, but it was actually against OU that I missed on it. I think Texas is going to have two rushing touchdowns. I think you, uh, we've, we've said it already. We've alluded to it. We've hinted at it. I think, and honestly, probably over the next few weeks, cause they're not, they're playing some not so great running teams, but I think they're going to go out and let Jonathan Brooks try to win himself a Doak Walker. And I think Cedric Baxter is going to do, uh, some incredible things as well. End up as a, uh, freshman, all American type stuff. So I think Texas with two rushing touchdowns on, the weekend Kyle what's your second pick I mean we talked about it earlier right this is an aggressive defense um plus nine on the year turnover margin they are fifth uh, fourth in the nation in takeaways they have more than one takeaway 
in every single game except Kansas, which they had zero. Um, dangerous team. I, I've said this in weeks past. I, I'm picking this Podstradamus because if it comes true, it means we win this game. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not... Uh, super jacked up and stressed uh, a whole week. Uh, it means the game probably goes relatively smoothly, which honestly we earned. We earned one of those after the past few weeks we've had. So I'm going to say Texas, even against one of the single best turnover machines in the nation, still wins the turnover battle. That is a bold one. I appreciate you giving me some room. I think uh, with this, ah, oh man, this one is tough. I, while I don't think they're going to score much i do think there's a special teams um there's a, there's an opportunity we'll say for uh the special teams plan i think texas has wanted to crack one all year i think texas is going to average more than 20 yards per punt return in this game going going big going weird going bold is that we're gonna, I'm gonna go more than 20 yards per return. I like this. I, I like this logic because it says Xavier Worthy knows that they're not gonna pass the ball much, but he's like, I still uh, need to get on ESPN. So I like I like where your head's at. I, I think there's there's one to be broken here uh, at least. I like this. I like this pick a lot. I appreciate it. Also, probably leaves some room for you to extend this lead. But that's fine. It's okay. <laughs> I can't wait for uh, one touchdown and, and two short returns that gives a 19.4 uh, yards per return average. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'll probably cuss, and that's fine. It's okay. But we'll, uh, we'll, keep, we'll keep it moving. So that's it. We'll be back on Tuesday to recap this game. This, I don't know, I almost said pivotal game, but this uh, matchup against the They're all pivotal. Uh, BYU Cougars. They're all pivotal at this point, right? Texas got to win them all to make it back to Arlington. So Texas with a must-win game against BYU at home on Saturday. All right, Gerald, let's take a little look at the world through burn orange lenses. And this one's fun. I hinted at it at the top of the show, but I'm going to start with just a brief run through of Steve Sarkeesian's uh, career, his, his statistics as the quarterback of BYU. We'll get off of BYU after a second. I promise. Um, Sark threw for, over 7,700, uh, 7,755 yards and 55 touchdowns. He actually loved the uh, the symmetry here. 7,755, 55 touchdowns and 66.6%. A guy who loves angel numbers here. Um, 162 career passing efficiency rating was third on the all-time NCAA list when he graduated. Like, dude... His name rang out in these streets. As a senior in 96, he led the nation in passing efficiency with a 173.6, the fourth best mark in NCAA history. Remember, this was the school of the, uh, you know, the Detmers and stuff like that. And Sark came in just, who's this guy, this baseball player from community college, and just did the dang thing in the Lavelle Edwards Um the Lavelle Edwards scheme. Uh, everyone knows about the six touchdowns versus AM, but also, as Gerald alluded to, led the Cougars to a WAC championship a senior year and a Cotton Bowl victory. Not so whack. Over Kansas State. That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, he. Sark was that dude. Um, and I think we assume he's a great offensive play caller and he's been all over at these programs. Um, he credits almost everything that he does back to that Lavelle Edwards, which really was a revolutionary offense. Um, but you know, Sark, the player, if he had never coached and just never touched a football, uh, again, would still be like a legendary all time college athlete, that guy, like he was that good for a certain era and for a certain, you know, person BYU even then was not, um, they were a little bit off their national championship, uh, run, but you know, he, he, uh, 
he was he was legit. He was as legit as they come in an era when you didn't have that many quarterbacks just going out and doing what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, the uh, WAC Offensive Player of the Year in 96, the Sammy Baugh Trophy, um, second-team All-American, 14-1 and one, uh, in, in a year, which is the most wins in a, in a season, right? Like, when BYU was doing BYU things and kind of becoming notable, Sark was there, right? That was part of uh, what they did. And, you know, it, the, the connection with him and Kalani Sataki being uh, as close as they are, I think Kalani Sataki hosted him for his visit uh, when he came to BYU, which is just absolutely incredible to see. And so um, the connection there, you know, Sark um, – probably won't take it easy on them on <laughs> Saturday, but I think, uh, you know, if things get out of hand, I hopefully Sark will he'll probably take his foot off the gas. Like he normally does actually, uh, in this one. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird to see and not weird. It's just cool to see these kind of connections. Why college sports is cool. Uh, let's, let's keep it rolling on why college sports are cool. College football, beautiful week. Texas, uh, was not the only team last week with U of H that, that, Struggled a bit to to win a close one. OU looked like they were going to lose to UCF. Gerald, what happened? Should have lost. What happened at the end of that one? What 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 happened? Gus Malzahn overthinks things. Like, why on God's green earth are you running a double pass for your two point conversion play? And granted, like if they if they're able to convert on that, then we're talking about how Gus Malzahn is a genius and blah 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 blah. But like, they didn't. Oh, you read it like a freaking book. And so um, they scored. And, and you know what? I like the fact that, oh, you Dylan Gabriel looked less like, you know, Dylan, the hero and more like Dylan, the zero in this one. Um, so it was just ridiculous to watch that game. Baylor had to hold on against Cincinnati. Like it was just a bad week for the big. The only team that looked good in the Big 12 was Kansas State just beating Houston or beating TCU with the stick. Yeah, and, and no one's ever tires of seeing TCU just get taken behind the woodshed ever. Um, Air Force Navy played in, in a fun one just because I like service academy football, and that Air Force team is is very good. Um, Gerald, there were teams that should have um, looked better than they did. I'll say that. Mac Brown, unfortunately, our guy. <sighs> the dream seems to have ended, at least. The, the perfect season they fell to six in one uh losing to a virginia team that um had not beaten or gotten particularly close to beating an fbs team only their second win their first against an fbs team 31 to 27 sorry sorry for mac on that one um we were excited to see alabama come back big in the second half against tennessee because we're all rooting for alabama the rest of the year um auburn who's terrible almost beat Ole miss just to show that we no one in the sec this year is is good um USC, Gerald. Uh, Sooner fans went from their day was ruined to almost losing to Gus Malzahn to having Texas be way tighter than it should have been, which made them feel better, and then having USC lose to Utah, the Caleb Williams uh, experience, the the, the Heisman back to back, run it back, uh, seems to be coming off the rails. I really appreciate Lincoln's commitment to the bit of ruining careers not ruining careers but squandering talent that should win national championships um and this one honestly like the other ones were on alex grinch this loss was not on uh, alex grinch as much like just utah just just out physical them like i think the difference between a, a a whittingham team and a lincoln riley team is one is uh lunch pail and one is um bento bar <laughs> <laughs> 
My kid has a bento box. Um, I like one it. One is lunch pail, and one is I can't think of something that's not super degrading to something. Like I'm gonna I'm going work travel. I'm gonna Uber eats the crap out of myself the next couple of days. So like I can't think of what uh, a good metaphor is. But it's it's hard hat versus um coiffed hair. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Whatever. Okay. It's it's I mean it's it's. It's Lincoln Riley. It's a Lincoln Riley team. It's a Benny Wiley team. We'll say Oof. that. Um, I'm just going to go and say it, right? Like, they got beat, and, like, Utah owns them. And it's really, um, like, it's cool. And, I, you know, I think it's it's fun to hate on Lincoln Riley because he's mysteriously sick again when his team starts to look like crap. I wonder what NFL team he's interviewing with. <laughs> uh, but that's neither here nor there. It's just, it's just, it's, you know, it is what it is. I'm glad. They're now an irrelevant team. They're an irrelevant team, and they shouldn't be. They should be really good, but they're not. Well, you hate to see it. Um, <laughs> Washington was a team that beat Oregon last week. A lot of people said, ooh, this could be the playoff team from out west. Michael Penix was the Heisman favorite, and then they needed a 90-yard pick six in the fourth quarter to beat Arizona State, which is one in six Arizona State, um, which is, you know, lost to Oklahoma State, uh, Arizona State. This is um, not a great team. It just goes to show, like, I know Texas didn't look great last week, but not many people did. Like, no one who is supposed to be good necessarily look good except Michigan, but Michigan State's real, real, real bad. Um, I think, <laughs> yeah, Michigan and LSU against Army were like the only two real, ooh, impressive performances of the of the week. Um, Utah beating USC, of course. Maybe Utah's good. Uh, sucks. Uh, former Longhorn Cam Rising says he's going to be out for the year. Um, but yeah, I mean, just just. I'm glad we ran through the state of college football this week, took the time to do it, because I, I need people to understand it's very hard this year of all years to to string something together. Texas, obviously, with a new quarterback would be interesting um, how they can do it closing out, but it's very hard to be good every week, even when you come off a bye. You know, it's easy to get up for the big ones and, and not always the others. Um, so the only other game I will talk about, Gerald, is did you see any of the Minnesota-Iowa gamer follow the goings-on? I like my mental health. Um I I saw the end of that game and I disagree with how it ended. I, you know, I've said it before, but yes, you don't want the refs to decide the game, but also like every team plays close game close games. Like you have to be able to like see the nuance there. But like when you build your team to win via close margin, mm-hmm. this these are the kinds of things that you open yourself up for. And I think um for the sake of Iowa fans, I, Iowa fans are in such a weird position because obviously you want your team to win, but also like it's very they're very much the Jesse Pinkman meme, like they can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> um, and so I think there's like this mixed feeling of like, no, they lost in a heartbreaking way, but also like if Iowa went to the Big Ten championship game and found a way to the college football playoff, like they don't make any staff changes. So I really I hope that something forces the the Ferentz nepotism to to end because um this it is unfortunate for Iowa and it's unfortunate for those fans and I feel really bad for them. I hope it doesn't because it's 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 the it's so ridiculous it feels unreal every week to tune in. Did you see by chance how many yards Iowa had in the second half? I believe it was an American. Was it two? It is two. It was two American yards in in an entire half. That's I. I had to refresh my my browser like eight times when I checked that box score. I thought it was broken. I went to multiple different sites. It's 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 wild. What a what a what a social experiment that entire thing is. Uh, anyways, we'll leave that there. Uh, just know um, when you think you've got it bad, there's always someone somewhere who has it worse. Texas fans. All right. Um, 
speaking of, uh, or I guess the opposite of that, not worse, but better. Guys who've made it to the next level and are killing it there. We have some good Longhorns in the NFL this week. A lot of good performances spread around. Uh, a couple injuries from from some of our favorite sons who didn't play much this week, but some other dudes stepped up to fill the void. Gerald, who is your uh, NFL Longhorn of the week? Got to be Deontay Foreman, right? Like, it's, it's got to be three, three scores. Like, that's... Again, we hearken back to the days where he was like the one that people didn't want, like where he was the calf for the cow. Um, incredible to see him uh, play like that. Yeah, um, you know that is a that is a Roshan and uh, Foreman backfield in Chicago, and even though that team is unwatchable, that does make it uh, fun. So three touchdowns, huge, huge uh, day for him. Very excited to see it. A dude who had a good day. I'll just name two others: PJ Locke. Excited for him to get his first career interception. Obviously, Caden Stern's out again with a uh, season-ending knee injury, so P.J. Locke has, has played a bit more uh, there. He himself was dealing with some injuries, but has uh, played a bit uh, in that secondary for the Broncos, and they needed a win badly. And he had a uh, fourth quarter uh, late in the clock, deep in the uh, in the in their own territory interception to seal that game off. Was pretty excited for P.J. Locke to have that happen. And then Chuck who got one sack and also a quarterback hit that led to an interception. So uh, a another weapon for, for those Chiefs. Uh, Menehu looking, looking like uh, when he's at his best, looked good. Um, a couple uh, people who look good this week as well, uh, bearing the Longhorn, uh, I guess, uh, not alum, but in this case, uh, playing for their country while still being in school. Chris Sophomore, Christian Moss, represented South Africa in the 23 World Amateur Team Championships in Abu Dhabi. Um, the team did great, guided the team to a seventh place finish, the first top 10 result for South Africa since ni- uh, 1982. Uh, yeah, eight under par for 17th in the individual, so a solid outing from him. Uh, great to see him representing on the world stage, and I think uh, get back to Austin because Texas has some winning to do. That's right. Not necessarily on the world stage, but on the hyper-local Texas stage, Gerald. You know we <laughs> live for the Texas ice hockey uh, well, bragging well. rights, and this week uh, Texas ice hockey club team swept the Aggies on back-to-back nights, one in College Station, one in Austin, and ooh, those sweet, sweet jerseys. Yeah, I, the the sweaters are nice. I think uh, beating Aggies twice is also nice. Is twice as nice in those nice jer- sweaters. So uh, I mean, doesn't it's always great to to beat AM. I got nothing else to say. I'm with you. Some midseason awards we missed last week uh, in our bye week or they came out kind of between shows type of thing. Um, I'll just run through them quickly. We don't need to spend a lot of time here. But Sark was named a two uh, watch list. The Bobby Dodd uh, midseason watch list and the Bear Bryant Coach of the Year watch list. Uh, Jonathan Brooks Vonder Sweat named the Max. Maxwell and Bignarik watch list. Brooks was an AP first team All-American Sweat and Murphy named second team. Uh, and five Longhorns named to the Lombardi watch list. That's Jalen Ford, Christian Jones, Tavondre Sweat, uh, Jatavian Sanders, and Kelvin Banks. Big 12 uh, leading five selection for the Horns. Uh, second most of any team in the nation. I mean, big ups to them, right? I think um, Jonathan Brooks is probably going to be the one that's likeliest to bring home some uh, hardware. There's a lot of great running backs, but I think being on a team like this and him kind of pacing them uh, first team, all American at the mid season, right? Jalen Ford, you know, first team, all American for him. So like, I love to see the, the recognition he's getting again. Um, you know, the, the being patient and waiting your turn thing is often overstated, but I think he's really taking advantage of it. And you can see Bijan, like Bijan Robinson is all over that kid. So it's really cool to see uh, him finding success. 
Absolutely, and and more uh, award watch lists. Women's basketball was one of two programs to have a representative on at least four of the five position watch lists. Each position has a named uh, kind of award. They do the. Uh, if you're a Longhorn fan, you're very familiar with these every year. It seems we have a couple people, but this year, uh, five Longhorns across four positions. Rory Harmon for the Nancy Lieberman Point Guard Award, Shayla Gonzalez for the Ann Myers Drysdale Shooting Guard Award, Deonna Gaston, and Aaliyah Moore for the Katrina McLean Award for the Post. And Taylor Jones for the Lisa Leslie Award. Uh, that's for centers. Texas, um, all over that. One of only two schools with five, uh, five total players on the position award list. So, again, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Go back and listen to our – I guess it was last week. Uh, go back and listen to our women's basketball preview. Very, very high expectations for the women. Uh, they could be, you know, a Final Four kind of team. And, and I think they've uh, the nation is seeing it already. I love that. Um, news of, of uh, it is certainly sad news, but a life well lived. Looking back and remembering women's golf legend Betsy Rawls died this week at age 95. Um, up until COVID, Texas women's golf held an annual, annual invitational uh, named after and in, in honor uh, of Betsy Rawls. I wonder if they'll get that started back up. Um, but Rawls was, I mean, an absolute legend. Won more than 50 tour championships between 1951 and 1975 including four U.S. Opens. I mean, she was inducted to the World Golf Hall of Fame. Like, imagine living, like, almost 40 years after you get into a Hall of Fame. Like, <laughs> sure. that's, how, that's how incredible she was and, and how impactful she was. And so, um, you know, the the sport of, of women's golf, or the sport of golf for ladies, and especially at the University of Texas, uh, will forever bear her fingerprint. So I think it's incredible um, that Texas gets to honor her like that. And I think there is going to be uh, more opportunities for them to do so in the future. Love that, Gerald. Let's take it home this week. A little Godzilla Tron. What are you watching on your giant screen? Uh, so I've got a big, big month of travel coming up. I'm going on a couple of big work trips. And so uh, I'm trying to find some books for these long flights. And I, w- I was having trouble like sorting through all of like the new stuff that I want to read. And so I'm falling back on one of my favorite like young adult like popcorn, you know, uh, cotton candy reads. I'm rereading the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series. It's kind of um, the alternative to Harry Potter for those of you that aren't big into Harry Potter. Um, it's all about a bunch of kids who find out they're essentially um, descended from Greek heroes and Greek gods. And so um, they are kind of thrust into an ongoing conflict um, that could have the weight of the world in the balance. But I like it because um, the author Rick Riordan is big on representation. So it's a very diverse cast, both of um people of of different abilities and disabilities they've got um all of the lead um greek heroes all are neurodivergent they all have uh, adhd and or dyslexia and they come to find out it's because their brains are wired for the battlefield and not necessarily to sit in a classroom all day and so that's part of uh the representation rick riordan also was big on um like putting other like minority authors on the map. If you've, uh, if you listen back, well, probably a year and a half, two years ago, I talked about uh, Tristan Strong punches a hole in the sky that's built on. Uh, it's the same young adult mythology thing, but it's it's a Rick Riordan production and it's all African and and um an American slave like mythology. And so it's like really, really cool. But anywho, so that's what I'm reading right now. My wife and I restarted an avatar, the last airbender rewatch, which is just always just solid stuff. And then, uh, we've been like our, our like, Hey, we have other stuff to do shows, make some noise on dropout. Uh, if you're not a dropout person, don't worry about it. But it's basically just like, um, 
it's basically like not R-rated, but um, it's essentially whose line is it anyways? But but college humor is essentially the only way I could say it. So it's real fun. We have a good time with it, and it's uh, it's silly. I like it. All right, I'm not familiar with any of that. I'll have to check it out. Um, Gerald, I watched um a movie this week that I'd never seen. I don't know why I'd always kind of missed it. Uh, but it's one of those movies that it's an old school classic. Everyone, it's like your dad's favorite comedy. Um, just a just a a classic of the '70s. Steve Martin's The Jerk, um, which is just so dumb funny. Like he hates these kids. <laughs> that's right. It's it's uh it's I don't know. It's like I feel like you can watch things like that, and sometimes you're like, this isn't that funny anymore. It's still funny. Um, it's of its own time. Don't try to you know apply it to 2023. Uh, but it's also like you can see where other things like absolutely just you saw its style and built off it or blatantly copied off of it. Um, like just some of the quotes are just so great. You know, like him writing a letter to his 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 parents and as they're reading it's like what do you think i just write i gotta get back to work what do you think i just write letters all day like just a little thing i don't know steve martin's like humor is just so dumb but i love it it was great um i see why it's like yeah it's my dad's favorite comedy it's something i've heard 10 different times about that movie um so that was that was the solid one again closing those those gaps in in entertainment uh, you know, compendiums that that we try to. You mean I'm gonna stay this color my whole life? <laughs> I mean, just just quality, quality stuff. So good. The premise uh, executed flawlessly. Um, but yeah. So the other thing, and wonderful, would recommend it to any anyone who's uh, who hasn't seen it like me, or who hasn't seen it in a while. Go watch it again. Um, a a podcast that is brand new. You probably haven't heard it. Uh, if you have, you're as big, big a fan of these two guys as I am. Um, just came out. I think maybe they have their second episode out now. Um, a new Shea Serrano podcast dropped called Six Trophies, and he does it with Jason Concepcion. Gerald and I both, um, you know, love, loved, loved both of them, but love from their uh, Jason Concepcion from his days doing the uh, Game of Thrones uh, podcast where he was phenomenal um, and just deep in the lore, great podcast host. He's won awards for his NBA desktop um, coverage, like avant-garde, super, like, of the 2020s, you know, uh, form and function of doing podcasting. He's just good. He's smart. They're both, like, funny. Um, they have, they're have they great friends from their ringer days, so they have great rapport. Um, I've only listened to the first of the, I think there's two episodes. I've only listened to the first episode. Uh, and it's tremendous. I love it. Like, they basically, in that one, because it's uh, it's an NBA-focused podcast, uh, they go through the whole offseason, kind of leading up the NBA season kicked off. This week, um, obviously, everyone knows that because they want to watch Wemby. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's fun. Uh, I, I love Shea Serrano. I'll read anything he does. I'll, I'll watch anything he does. I'll listen to anything he does. I just think he's one of our, like, singularly specific sports voices of our time. Uh, and I think he's great. And so it's been fun. It's been a good listen. I'd recommend it to anyone who likes basketball or likes uh, those two guys. Or uh, even better, if you fall in that Venn diagram and you like both of those things. If you're a fan of our podcast, you'd probably like their podcast. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can follow me on socials media at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. Follow me on Twitter at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Shoot us an email, Longhorn Republic Pod at gmail.com. 
gmail.com. We'll be back on Tuesday recapping this BYU game before we come back next week to preview uh, the rest of the Texas. See, thanks so much. Before we come back next week to preview the. That do they play next? To preview those dreaded Kansas State Wildcats. Thanks so much for tuning in again this week. Until next time. Okay. Hook them back to back Cougars like I'm a 20 year old again.